Good to see you, David. So, just to start off with one teaching of Rabbi Yitzchak today is Rabbi Yitzchak's yard site. Um, when we put on tefillin, we put on the armed film before the head film. Why the armed film before the head film? So, Rabbi Yitzchak explains that when Hashem gave us a Torah, first we said we will do, and then we said we will understand, we will feel, we, we will uh, try to internalize and appreciate what we're doing. So, the head film corresponds to we will listen and understand. And the armed film corresponds to we will do. The arm is associated with action. The head is associated with um, understanding. So Hashem tells us every morning, put on your armed film before your head film. And so you're like sort of reenacting that romantic moment when we said to Hashem, we will do before we understand. We, we start off with our actions. And uh, just like when Hashem gave us two crowns, because we said we will do before we will understand, so too, the tefillin is compared to a crown. That's why the rush in Elisher, after he um, said the bracha, God crowns the Jewish people in glory. After he said, said that bracha, he put on his head film because the um, the head film is is, is a uh, is a crown. So too is the arm film a crown. It's it's the, Hashem gave us crowns for the uh, for that for that dedication. So. Uh, Father's teaching is very brief, but it, it sounds like that uh, you put on tefillin with that in mind, with this nasa and nishma, you're receiving something more from your hand and your arm and your and your head film. With that that thoughts in mind every day, we will do before we understand that kind of uh, um, that kind of uh, uh, approach that brings a a, a different kind of uh, light of Hashem in you. Um, And this is very in sync with the simple meaning of putting on film. Put on film is supposed to dedicate your heart and mind to serve Hashem. When you put on film, I think they've used expressions like a soldier. You, 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 you're going to devote yourself to Hashem. At this point, you put on film. You, you're, this is this is when you Jew. You know, like like Clark Kent turns into Superman at some point. That's, when, when do you Jew? Put on film. You say, "I'm I'm yours." I give me my feelings. Give me my thoughts. So specifically. The hand film is we will do, and the head film is not just we will do, we will appreciate, understand, and feel the meaning of what we're doing. All right, let's now understand and appreciate and feel by learning going back to the Mimer. Um, so, uh, so far, what do we do in the Mimer? In the Mimer, we began learning, we started talking about the. Uh, um, the Hoshmanes, I think. The Hoshmanes, I think. We will do, we will do, we will do, we will do. Will you want me to go? Yeah, please, thank you. Okay, so, uh, so uh, what we learned so far was that uh, Rashi interprets, not Rashi, not focus on Rashi so much, sorry. The opening verse of the Torah portion is, if you'll listen to our mitzvahs, Hashem says, I will keep the covenant and the love and the kindness for you. And our question was, if we're talking about something which Hashem has promised to us and given made a covenant about, then it's about God's kindness that should not depend, it shouldn't be dependent upon our actions. It should be something that God is give, giving us unconditionally. So why does the Torah say, if you will do these mitzvahs, then Hashem says, I will give you all these things. That was our first question. And our second question is um, about the Rashi. Rashi says that the word Eka means heal, the Torah is not just talking about a regular observance of God's commandments, it's talking about specifically 
uh, keeping those commandments that people naturally step on, and they naturally step on underfoot. So, so the Torah is saying that if you'll keep those commandments, the ones that people usually step on, then God says, I will give you all of these incredible blessings. And the problem we have is there are three kinds of mitzvahs, and the ones that you would last step on are the ones that make sense, the ones you understand, the ones you appreciate naturally. And yet the Torah says, if you will listen, if you will listen to those mitzvahs, which are called mishpatim, that the mishpatim specifically, the Torah warns us not to step on those mitzvahs, and by not stepping on the mishpatim, the ones that are logical to us, then Hashem says, I will give you the covenant and the promise and the kindness. Why are those mitzvahs specifically that um, we would have, that we would step on them, the Torah is telling us not to step on them. Those are the last mitzvahs we would step on, those are the ones that we understand. So, uh, let's go further on into the second section of the Maimur. To understand it, the first preface, a teaching of the Zohar. The Zohar says that there are three things which are bound with each other. The Jewish people, the Torah, and Hashem. And these three things, which are bound with each other, they all are connected in different layers. There is both a hidden layer, and there is one which is revealed. That means that our connection to Hashem in the Torah, our connection to Torah and through the Torah, connecting to Hashem, we're not only connecting the deeper parts of ourselves, the hidden parts of ourselves, <laughs> the higher parts of ourselves, but this connection also affects the lower and the more revealed parts of ourselves. That means our natural strengths are revealed, are manifest, our conscious strengths, meaning our intellect, our feelings, uh, those are not our hidden and higher powers, those are our revealed <coughs> and manifest strengths. And our connection is not only in the, the godly soul, the holy soul, the soul which is called a part of Hashem, rather through the connection of the godly soul, our connection is also with the lower energies of the animal soul. The animal soul also has its own strengths and its own blessings. So when we say that we're connected to God uh, through Torah, it's not only the higher and deeper parts of the Nisham which are connected, but also the animal soul. And through the animal soul, and the animal soul, through Torah, is also connected to God. Uh, but, ten lines in the bottom. I see what by that. The word connection only applies when there are two things which are separate from each other. You can only talk about connection when there's separation first. Mm-hmm. When there are two items which are separate from each other, then you could say that they get connected. However, if there's just one item, you cannot say it's connected. Rather, the language that would apply when talking about one item, uh, when two items converge and become one item, then the appropriate term would be then you wouldn't say they became connected, you would say they cleaved to each other, they became one. For example, what's an analogy of two things which originally were separate, but now they become one? Not just they connect, but they become one. For example, or umoir. For example, light that animates, that, that emanates from a luminary. The light is not something other than the luminary. The light is a revelation, it's an extension of the essence of the luminary comes from. Therefore, the 
term describing the relationship of the light and the source of the light, let's talk about light of the sun, for example, the light of the sun and the sun are not connected to each other. They're not two separate entities. The light of the sun is only about revealing the sun. That's what it's about. Rather, the appropriate term to describe their relationship with the light of the sun and the sun, the luminary and the light, is dveikus, an attachment. What, what is the meaning of dveikus? That the light is attached in its source in the essence. It's, 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 it's attached to its source. It's not... Elsewhere, this uses these two terms to describe other, um, other facets in relationship, but primer. The vacuus is higher than Iskashos. Iskashos means that you're connected. You're connected, but you still have your own identity. You still are you. There's you, and you're connected. <clears throat> the vacuus means that there's no sense of you anymore. That you are attached to your source, and you have become absorbed in your source, and there's no, there's no, there's no, other, there's no other agenda that you have. I don't know if this is so connected, but um, there is a very fascinating teaching also from Rebbe's father about the Megiddo Tshuva. And Rebbe's father explains that the four letters of God's name, Yud and Hey and Avav and Hey, correspond to four levels of serving Hashem. The lower level, last lowest level of serving Hashem is is, is which is represented by the, the last Hey Hashem's name is accepting the yoke of Hashem, just not turning away from, not doing the wrong thing, observing what Hashem wants you to do. A higher level. The vav is asetoiv. Asetoiv means that you love Hashem and you do more than your nature. That's a higher level. A higher level than that is the study of Torah. Why is the study of Torah higher? Because the study of Torah is a just a oneness with Hashem. It's not no longer you're observing what Hashem wants you to do, but you will become one with Him. And even a higher level, the highest level is in all your ways you serve Hashem. Because until you serve Hashem in all your personal ways, you're just doing things that God told you to do, you still are, you're still standing on the outside, you're you, and you're doing what Hashem wants you to do. When do you lose your identity into Hashem? When do, when do you become one with Him? When there's no other, when you don't have any other agenda. So in all your ways, you know Hashem. So, so, so the idea of Dveikos is, there's no separate entity. Um, which, I, I'm not sure if in, in the analogy I just gave, the parallel will be this Torah study where you're, you're attached to Hashem, or maybe it has to do with the idea of your, your, your experience, like in, in all your ways in the Hashem, where you don't have any other agenda. The all you are, are is, is just a, um, your whole life is, is in all your ways in the Hashem. That's the higher Yud of Hashem's name. The soul in heaven, before it descends to the world, before it goes into a body, before it comes to this world, is in a state of Dveikus, a state of attachment. The connection with the neshama and galiness yeah. is in a way of dveikos. It's one with galiness. That even at Sadiq Gomer, a perfect Sadiq who loves Hashem with a love of delight, a, a, a unique kind of love that only a Tzadik is able to experience, even that Sadiq will not reach his the kind of attachment he had to Hashem with love and reverence for Hashem in Gan Eden before he came to this world. But, so, so the altar is very specific and uses the word Veikos. Only when the Shema comes to this world 
and then becomes a separate entity, then you could say it becomes connected to Hashem. But in, in Gan Eden, it's not a connected to Hashem, it's the vehicles. It has no other, no, it, it, it is just an attachment to Hashem. Uh, maybe this analogy is a, easier to, to appreciate. Um, we have three different garments of our soul. We have the garment of thought, the garment of words, the garment of speech, and the garment of action. Unlike the garment of speech and action, the garment of thought is unable to be removed. We could stop speaking and stop doing, but we cannot stop thinking. Why can't we stop thinking? Because, in the, sh- because the, the garment of thought is, is dovuk, it's attached to the soul. So therefore, whatever is going on in the soul is going to trickle into your thoughts. It's going to come, you walking in the street, you have these thoughts. It has to do with your neshamas, what's going on inside you. That's what's going on inside you. That's, that's what's coming into your, into your thoughts, whether it's your godly soul, your animal soul. But your, 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 your thoughts are plugged in to your inner core. And since they're plugged in and they're attached to your inner core, therefore it's impossible to stop thinking. So that's the meaning of levusham yuchan, a garment which is designated for the soul and can't do anything else other than be attached to the soul. Speech is about projection to the outside. Action is about making an impact in the, in the outside world. Thought is about what's going on in my soul. So you can't stop thinking because your machshav, your thoughts are called dovuk. They're levusham yuchan. They're a, a garment which can't be taken off. All the, the thought is a garment which is a dveikus, it's attached to the soul. You can't stop thinking, it's always, it's, where is it? Whatever is happening in the soul, the soul thinks it, the soul has its understanding, the soul has its feelings. Your, your thoughts are going to be that way. So a soul ganeden is a similar thing. It's not just attached, it's not just attached to Hashem, it's dveikus. Dveikus means it's no longer any entity of self. So, case in point, uh, the guardian of Sadiq who loves Hashem with his great, great love of delights, He's still an entity. He's still someone who loves Hashem. In Ganeidin, it's not anymore a, 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 in the status of a someone who loves Hashem. It's the Vekos. The soul of the Tzaddik is bound uh, with Hashem. We say in Davening, the soul you gave me is pure. You created it. You, you um, formed it. And you blew it within me. When we say the soul is pure, what are we referring to? We're talking about the way the soul is in that the way the soul is above this world, the way it's like a, a light and a luminary. The light is one with the luminary, and it's not a separate. That's what we mean, we, we mean when we say the soul is pure. That's the way the soul is in the world of Atsilus. But the way the soul has been created. As we say in the next words of the album, you've created it, you've formed it, you blew it within me, and you guard it within me. As the soul ascends from level to level, then its connection to Hashem is only in a way of a skashrus. It's still a separate entity. And concerning this, the Zohar says there are three things which are connected to each other. It's no longer in a state of dveikus. But nevertheless, Oh. There's an advantage in the connection that surpasses this state of, of attachment. It's specifically through coming in this world and not being in a state of rapture and attachment, but in a state of only connection and still maintaining your own identity and uh, independent of godliness. 
Only in this world do you reach an even higher level. So now I'm going to see what the higher level is of, um, of the neshama coming into this world and, and losing that, that sense of, of uh, dveikus that it has in the higher worlds. I just want to point out that, uh, I don't know if you learned uh, the shir I gave yesterday on the way back from the airport, but Rabbi uh, basically highlights that the neshama, even as it is in this world, is not separate from its divine source. It's still godly. Maybe in our experience, we feel a state of separation, but the neshama is still made of the same stuff, and it still, in essence, is the same way it was in heaven. There's no... The light of Hashem in the world of Atzilus isn't affected by... Whoa! light of Hashem in the world of Atzilus isn't affected by the... Um, uh, by the pr- process of descent into this world. In other words, there's still a part that's Davok. Or even more so. Well, let's because... say this, let's say this. Let's say, even though we're, we don't feel the Vekos, right. we don't feel the, the Vekos, but from from the, the perspective of Hashem, there is still a state of Vekos. From Hashem's perspective of Hashem's light, it's, it's Vekos. It's still, it's still attachment. Okay, but what's the advantage of Askash? That's, that's not the reality. point. Uh, that's reality. Hello, this is reality. You're reality. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> What this means is in the Torah, it's a, it's a verse in Song of Songs. I am dark and beautiful, daughters of Jerusalem. The daughters of Jerusalem refer to the soul in heaven. The soul in heaven is called the daughters of Jerusalem. Why is the soul called daughter of Jerusalem? Because Yerushalayim means complete reverence for Hashem. The word Yerushalayim comes from two parts, Yira and Shalim. Yira, reverence, and Shalim, complete reverence. So the daughters of Jerusalem mean souls in heaven who experience full reverence for Hashem. I just want to point out, you know, it's not just because my Western ears are annoyed by the word reverence and fear, but it's also because I, I had a deeper insight into this recently. Uh, that I feel imperative to share with you the meaning of the word reverence. It's not the, and fear. It's not the same thing as it sounds like. The Middle Rebbe says, reverence doesn't mean, as it sounds, that there's someone and you're afraid of him. The real meaning of reverence means that you are, uh, you feel Hashem's presence in such a real way that it's like uh, that, that, that you're one with him. That, that there's no sense of self anymore. That's how the soul, as we're saying this in this Mimer, the soul in Gan the soul in Atsilus, is not in a state of separation, having reverence for Hashem. Rather, Yerushim, complete reverence means that the soul is lost and it's attached to its source without any sense of a separate identity. As I said earlier, that even at Tzadik Gomer, complete Tzadik, the way he is in, he is in Gan Eden, I'm sorry, the way complete tzaddik in this world will never reach the attachment he has to Hashem and Why? Because the neshama in this world, in a physical body, cannot reach the kind of love, the kind of reverence it has in Ganei. The body limits its experience. Only when it's in heaven can it have this full reverence of Hashem. Can it be the daughter of Jerusalem? That's why only in heaven is the soul called a daughter of Jerusalem does have the full experience of Hashem's uh, presence. Specifically, daughters of Jerusalem refer to the way the souls are in the lowest part of Atzilus. 
If we were to go above Malchus, we couldn't talk about love and reverence either. To talk about someone who loves Hashem, someone who has reverence for Hashem, that's not relevant above Malchus Atzilus. So even in Atzilus itself, there are two different levels of the soul. There is a way the soul is in a state of reverence, which even that doesn't mean that it's a separate entity. It's Dveikos. It's completely immersed in Hashem's truth. And then there is a state of the soul, which you wouldn't even call it immersed in Hashem's truth. It's no longer an entity at all. It's not the way the soul is in Malchus, where Malchus is already, the soul is still called a thing. Rather, the way the soul is above Malchus, where there's no one to love Hashem, no one to fear Hashem, because the Neshama is, is not an entity. Uh, only way the soul is in Malchus can you talk about this perfect level of fear above Malchus there's no one to fear there is no entity that fears it. the soul is just one with Hashem and that's the meaning of the verse I am dark and beautiful daughters of Jerusalem who is this conversation happening between the soul in this world says to the soul in heaven you beautiful souls in heaven who are called the daughters of Jerusalem so I, in this world, say to you, the soul in, in, in Ganeidin, I am dark. That means I have lost the light. Because I am in a state of separation from the essence of Hashem. And even, not only separate from the essence of Hashem, I'm also separate, separate from you, daughters of Jerusalem. Not only am I separate from God's essence, I've also lost my, my attachment to where I was, as I was once a daughter of Jerusalem too. And now I'm no longer, in the, no longer attached to the daughters of Jerusalem either. I don't only have that full reverence of Hashem. Because even the highest tzaddik cannot experience the way it was before it came to, the way the tzaddik was before he came to the world. Because the body can't handle that kind of experience. So I'm very far from the full fear of Hashem. And more, I'm in a place of a desert where there's a yearning and there's a thirst, there's no water. That I'm able to, God forbid, not do a mitzvah. I'm able to chas Hashem even to transgress something Hashem tells me to just not to do. So although I'm dark, I mean I've lost the light of where I came from before, nevertheless I am beautiful, that specifically in this world that the Neshama is able to be at the ultimate level of beauty because specifically as a result of the concealment of godliness in this world does the Neshama have this great yearning to be close to Hashem like a fire. This is the ultimate level of beauty. When the Neshama is in heaven, there there are no concealments, there's no yearning, and therefore it's not beautiful, not the ultimate beauty. So the soul in this world says the soul in Ganeidin that it's specifically here that I'm able to achieve this higher kind of beauty because of specifically the darkness, specifically because I've lost the light. So yes, the Neshama in Ganeidin has an advantage, and the Neshama Natsilus can't compare, but that's only advantage in the kind of dveikus the Neshama has, the kind of rapture, the kind of attachment, mm. the kind of oneness, the kind of lack of sense of self. In its level of, of, of attachment, yeah, it's far beyond. But it's not beautiful. What makes the soul beautiful, Ebisha says, or we say, the soul's never, we're beautiful. I am dark and I'm beautiful. Why am I beautiful? Because I have a greater yearning only in, in this world. It's only by being in this world does the, the soul have a greater yearning for Hashem. That's what makes it beautiful. Right. I'll stop here. We can maybe say that Hashem desires the yearning more than He does the vague. The, the, the yeah, for sure He does. That's why He sent the Shema from there and He brings it here. And only here does the, 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 the Abisha say that you're beautiful. Yeah.